Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It's kind of weird hearing my own echo here. Yes, it's odd. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to The Question Booth. I'm Dylan Fagan. And I'm Kathleen Quillian. And we're so excited that you're here with us today. If you haven't tuned in before, The Question Booth is a place where people answer a big question each week. But before we start, how are you doing today, Kathleen? I'm pretty good, Dylan. I'm looking forward to talking about the end of the world today. Is that a hint about this week's topic? Yes. We're listening to the answers to the question, if there were an apocalypse and you survived it, what would you be good at? Hmm. Have you ever thought the world was going to end? I have literally never thought about it. I don't have canned peaches ready or a go bag. I'm pretty happy living in the present. How about you? Have you ever thought about it? Absolutely. And not because I'm that type of person per se, but there was this radio host named Harold Camping who thought the world was going to end on May 21st, 2011. In fact, there were a lot of billboards advertising the date around the metro Atlanta area. But I didn't take him seriously until I experienced a number of things the day before it was all supposed to go down. To set the scene, I was in college, and it was finals week, and I'd been up for a very long time. But I had this gig to fulfill with the band I was in, and I got lost somewhere in Tennessee on the way there. It was somewhere mountainous with very bad cell reception. And just as I was about to get to the field where we were supposed to perform that night, I popped a tire. And after the show, I tried to drive back to Atlanta at 1 a.m. on my undersized spare, which was hard because you're not really supposed to drive at speed on those. And I ended up getting a motel room somewhere in Alabama because I was just so exhausted. And then at 6 a.m., a blinding light blasted through the motel window. And I was terrified that this was it. I'd been wrong and it was all over. So I crawled out of bed, opened the curtains, and was greeted by the big glowing Wendy's sign next door. They just turned it on for the day. Obviously, I'm glad it wasn't the end of the world, but I can understand why we might start to believe in doomsday scenarios, 
when we find ourselves in extraordinary situations. Yes, and when you ask something in the question booth, you start to see a pattern in people's answers. This week, the reoccurring theme was healing. People thought that if everything went down, they would have the ability to keep others calm and positive. And we'll also be talking to How Stuff Works' Ben Bolin about apocalyptic history and realistic end-of-the-world scenarios. We're very good at surviving, so it's not unreasonable for anyone to look at themselves and say, you know what, if this house of cards called civilization suddenly collapses, I'm going to figure out something. But let's kick this episode off with Marissa and Moshi, because they really hit on this week's theme. I know what I would be. <laughs> what? The uplifter. I would be the, the healer, the inspirer, someone that makes somebody see the strength in themselves. I think I might be the strategist, kind of the person bringing people together and figuring out who can do what and how they can work together to achieve the best result. No power, I think, would be really hard for our society. Yeah. I think it would be actually That's pretty actually... nice. We're so distracted so much of the time that it would be actually wonderful for people to get to know who they really are without being distracted. Yeah, it brings us back to the present moment, to, to what's right here, right now. But yeah. it would definitely be a big adjustment. I just feel like my intuition would lead me to the right people. Yeah. I think it's really important that we use our intuition. We trust ourselves. Sure. You can't act out of your lower brain, your survival fight or flight brain, because you're not thinking. You have to think with your prefrontal cortex. And that requires you being calm and centered so that you can hear what you need to hear and feel what you need to feel so you can make the right decision for yourself. We would totally evolve our notion of what's possible, that's for sure. Because everybody has to step up and do things that they never thought was possible before. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing when people get into life-threatening situations, what they can do. The idea of keeping calm during an apocalypse is really surprising to me. But there was actually this study out of the University of Buffalo that found that people who played the online video game Arc Age stayed pretty cool under pressure when a simulated doomsday crept in. And from the sound of the trailer, it certainly seems like they were under a lot of pressure. Put your face in annihilation for a chance to start anew. Now this is interesting. Researchers studied the virtual actions of around 80,000 players of this role-playing game. And on the whole, players exhibited behavior that was helpful toward one another. Antisocial behavior like violence did rise, but it was an action performed by a small fraction of the participants. Huh. It kind of gives you hope that maybe the end of the world wouldn't all be chaos, at least, if that's any consolation. Yes, that's an example of people coming together, uh, virtually at least. But on the other hand, some folks might just want to stay off the grid. Here's Judy. As long as my cats survive, I might be okay. Yeah, a lot of people talked about how whatever happened, they would have to bring their pets. Right. I'd have to have my pets. Could you be like a fighter? Would you I fight could, someone off? Yeah, I would probably take my fingers and gouge their eyes out. Or I, would, well, I wouldn't want to do this, but I could pick up a cat and throw it at them. Yeah. Yeah, I could kill someone if I had to. What would you be good at? I'm a photographer, so I would be good at documenting the survival. Yeah. So you would be good at documenting I would apocalyptic. Document, yeah, I would document whatever, I guess would whatever have, was left. You'd I have guess. to take a film camera. No, I wouldn't. How do you know I didn't? My iPhone wouldn't survive. But you, then you'd have no power to charge Come it. Come on, I'm resourceful. <laughs> I would figure things out. <laughs> what would you struggle with? What would be hard for you? 
in an apocalyptic world or even like a world with no power internet well you know what i've traveled a lot and i seriously think i would be very happy living off the grid so not having power and the luxuries of life that i have now i think i would be okay I'll admit, sometimes it's nice to romanticize a world without power, but it's worth questioning how it would actually affect our daily lives. Things could get tough for a society that's so connected, and there's actually a fairly recent event that we can look at to get a glimpse of what it might be like. In 2003, North America experienced its largest blackout in history. A large swath of the northeastern U.S. and Canada went without power for two days. It is only because of emergency generators that we are able to welcome you to our NBC News headquarters here in 30 Rockefeller Plaza in Midtown Manhattan, where the lights are out. For that matter, they are out west to Cleveland, Ohio, and north to Ottawa, Canada, in a huge and history-making blackout. Obviously, the lights went off, but airports, subways, and tunnels also shut down. Automatic doors and elevators stopped working, and drinking water utilities were affected. Oh, and cell phone towers and ATMs? They went dark as well. Hospitals had to run on backup generators. Sounds a little like a movie, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think it would take quite a long time for most of us to adapt to that sort of world. Definitely. Okay, so... So far on the show, we've kind of heard both sides of the coin. People who would heal, uh, people who would throw cats. But let's hear a little bit more about being a healer after the break. We'll be right back. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. 
you have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. And we're back. Thanks for joining us. Let's listen in on Jaleesa and Christian in the question booth. I think more like on the psychological end, I'm pretty good at making people feel better about things. So it wouldn't necessarily be anything to keep people alive, but more of just helping people move on and move forward from like the trauma that they've endured. So you're resourceful. If we're going back to the apocalypse thing. Like, yeah. he was, like, a Boy Scout kind of guy, so yeah. he knows how to start fires and all of that, so. What was the most useful thing you learned? In Boy Scouts? hmm So, I did Boy Scouts in the Bronx, New York, so it's a little different. I don't know, it's weird, but probably how to, like, get along well with people. He's also really good with stress. Like, Jesus. there's a little, because I'm thinking, like, because <laughs> I've thought about this apocalypse thing before, and I'm like, I'd be really? out within, like, it the first day. So because we used to watch The Walking Dead and stuff like that, and so you, um, <laughs> like, for instance, we had a snowstorm a few years, or not a snowstorm, it was an ice storm yeah, that happened a few years yeah. ago, and you could hear all the, like, trees crashing down. I mean, it looked crazy outside when we finally, like, got to go outside. It really was, but like... he was chill the whole time, and I was freaking out because I could hear all of this crashing. I'm like, something's going to fall in the house, and we're going to get hurt. And, and uh, the, the heater whole time went out. That, that just sucked. The heat went out. So we uh, made, like, Oh, yeah, little... we found alternative heating system. Yeah, you can make um, with, like, a candle and a pot... You can put them. You can put one pot upside down, a clay pot, and it'll hold in the heat more, and itself would uh, get warm, and then dissipate heat longer. So yeah, it keeps you warm. I forgot about that. I would just follow no, him. She, she'd be alright. <laughs> She's a little survivor. She's not. She, if, if especially if like her one of her family members is in danger or something, she'd be like. That's different. Then I go every, on. I fight every zombie in here for my mom or something. <laughs> ah, The Walking Dead. I knew it would be mentioned at some point in this episode. Yeah, it only makes sense that it would come up with us being here in Atlanta, and people love zombies. Speaking of, I think the apocalypse might be on people's minds because of pulp culture. Between shows like The Walking Dead, The 100, and Last Man on Earth, there are plenty of takes on both the apocalyptic and the post-apocalyptic. And there was this interesting article in the New York Times Magazine last year. It was titled, Why Are We So Obsessed with the End of the World? And it posits that it's been an obsession of ours for a very long time. I mean, there's Zeus and Odin waging war to make room for humankind, the biblical story of Noah's Ark, and if you go way back, the mass extinction of the dinosaurs is always a riveting event to both research and talk about. But I'm still endlessly fascinated by people's plans on what they would do in the event of an unfathomable disaster. Well, let's hear another one about healing. Here's Hannah and Allie in the question booth. 
I feel like I'd be the mediator, like trying to stop people from doing <laughs> reckless things. Reckless like, how? Like killing each other? From, not necessarily killing each other. <laughs> I don't know. That might be necessary. But like things that might hurt themselves. Like I'm very paranoid. So how so? I don't know. I'm just always worried and I don't want people to get hurt. Hmm. I don't. I feel like I'd be like evil. <laughs> be like a terrible person. <laughs> so to she'd kill have people. to stop you <laughs> from killing the other people yes. to survive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, so like Ali, please don't go in there. Yeah. You can't and hang I out go together. Ah, oh, we can't. Well, it's like, well, obviously she wants to go against your wishes. I always do the opposite that she says, so it's true. <laughs> what would you not be good at? What would be a really big challenge for you? My stepsister ah. says I wouldn't be good at fending for myself. <laughs> So you need to be in a pack of people. Yeah, I need like a good support group. Yeah, I wouldn't be good at being alone. I would get eaten. Yeah, we would be good to like support each other in a closet. Like, I'd be like, (laughs) Allie, it's fine. We're going to stay here. And she'd be like, okay, but I'm really claustrophobic. And I'd be like, it's fine. We could do this. But I need you to stay with me or I'm going to die too. We got each other. Anything's possible, right? Totally. So after hearing about some of the roles that people might play in the apocalypse, we wanted to know more about why we're fascinated with the topic and what an actual doomsday scenario might look like. Yes, and we'll talk to someone all about the end of the world after this break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And we're back, and we're excited to have How Stuff Works host Ben Bolin with us in the studio. 
You may know him from our podcast, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, and Ridiculous History. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a show that takes a deep dive into conspiracies and has covered many apocalyptic possibilities, so we thought he'd be a great person to talk to. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Thanks for having me, guys. So, why are we so fascinated with the potential of an apocalypse? Do you think it's Hollywood or something else? Like, why are we so amped up about something that is so terrifying? Yeah, this is a fascinating question, and it's one that people have been trying to answer for a very long time on numerous levels. One thing that is always intriguing to discover is that for almost every year in the timeline of modern history, dating back even centuries into the past, there's been some group or some individual that says, no, really, this time it's the end of the world in some regard. And they might define it in a number of different ways. So the end of the world, quote unquote, might be the fall of the civilization in which we reside, or it might be an ecological disaster, or it might be a catastrophic war or a spiritual cataclysm, right? Like the loss of the prominent religion of the time. The reason this is so compelling is because regardless of who you are, where you come from, we all function as the protagonist of our own personal story. And everybody else, no matter who they are, is at best like a character foil for us. Speaking of protagonists, let's rewind for a second and revisit the titles that people gave themselves in the booth this week. The uplifter. The strategist. The mediator. So we, being the main characters of our own personal story, must necessarily be living at the titular moment in history or one of. So there's a little bit, and I don't want to sound condescending here, but there's a little bit of implied narcissism that out of all the times in the world, I or you or you or any of us happen to be at the moment we want to live in important times, even if those times are terrifying. It's also strange because this belief, which is so prevalent, uh, full disclosure, I'm totally one of these people. It's interesting because the facts don't compare one-to-one -one with the personal experience. There's, I wouldn't say conclusive, but pretty compelling evidence that we are collectively living in one of the most peaceful times in human history. When you measure the amounts of war, when you measure uh, the way that we have succeeded in addressing disease, we're not great at everything, but we're very good at surviving. So it's not unreasonable for anyone to look at themselves and say, you know what, if this house of cards called civilization suddenly collapses, then I'm going to figure out something. Can you Tell us about some end-of-the-world predictions from the late 20th and early 21st century. Sure, yeah. So there are a couple of different categories. One would be something that has a spiritual basis. A leader of a religious or spiritual movement has received what they perceive to be a divine revelation, a prophecy. And this would be typically assigned to a specific date. And the problem with that is that those dates inevitably arrive. And when they do, so far as we know, the world doesn't end. So those have a shelf life, those predictions. You may remember Heaven's Gate from March 26, 1997, for example. They called themselves Heaven's Gate, a cult started in the 70s by a man named Marshall Applewhite, who later called himself Doe. 
A spaceship or UFO, he told the group, would pick up their souls and take them to begin their new lives. 1997 was the year of the Hale-Bopp Comet. In late March of that year, as the comet grew brighter, Doe became convinced the comet was the sign to shed their bodies and exit Earth. Uh, and then there would be the idea of a technological catastrophe. So Y2K, right? We remember that. That made a uh, lot of newsrooms very happy uh, from 1998 <laughs> to... December 31st, 1999. The basic idea on Y2K was that for convenience, all these computer programs, when it came to do dates, you only needed two numbers. Why use four numbers when you only need two? And then they recognized what date is a computer going to think it is when we get to 2000. Even Star Trek's Leonard Nimoy was on TV, trying to prepare us for the worst. At the stroke of midnight, January 1st, 2000, elevators may stop. Heat may vanish. Credit cards and ATMs may cease to function. The third category would be something related to geopolitics, for instance, like the bomb is going to drop, right? Or someone goes back to an ancient prophecy or something they think to be a prophecy like Nostradamus, and they say, hey, I have figured out the interpretation of this medieval language. And it turns out that 1996, you guys, is... uh, when everything goes wrong. This Nostradamus passage in particular was very popular online after the September 11th attacks. Two steel birds will fall from the sky on the metropolis. The sky will burn at 45 degrees latitude. Fire approaches the great new city. Immediately, a huge scattered flame leaps up. Within months, rivers will flow with blood. The undead will roam the earth for a little time. Super intense, but in reality, it's a sloppy translation. The big giveaway is the inclusion of steel. Nostradamus died in 1566. Steel wasn't invented until 1854. Okay, okay, back to Ben. The last one, and perhaps the increasingly compelling one for a lot of people, would be the idea of ecological catastrophe. The bees disappear. Ocean acidification reaches uh, an unsustainable level. And this triggers... Uh, a domino effect that results in humanity's inability to grow food or to find clean water. So those all exist together, and you can discover different interpretations of those, and they're reflected in fiction. Fiction itself, if we were to personify it, is a huge fan of apocalyptic stories because the rule of fiction is you always make it personal and you always raise the stakes. And it's it's tough to raise the stakes higher than, you know, the end of the world. All right, we heard from people in the question booth, but now I've got to ask you the question, Kathleen. So here it is. If there were an apocalypse and you survived it, what would you be good at? I think I would just dip out. You'd dip out? Yeah, I know that's a little bit morbid, but I don't know. I look at Walking Dead and all of these post-apocalyptic worlds, and I don't want to live that quality of life. It seems pretty low. Like, why am I waking up in the morning? I'm pretty content with how great my life is right now, and maybe that was supposed to happen for a reason.
I know that this all sounds dark and pretty terrible, but I think we're all just trying to figure out how to keep our world as normal as possible no matter what happens. I feel like we go through worst case scenarios in our head all the time about different things just to figure out what it is we would have to do to get through it and to provide for others. We want to plan and we want a routine and we want to wake up every day and find our purpose. But the end of the world to me is just contemplating that scenario on a much larger scale. I think we want to find comfort and comfort others if everything goes wrong. I also think if, and this is a big if, people have a community, I think they can find a way to make it through. That being said, I don't ever want to have to find out if that's true. Me either. And since some of this week's episode sounded a lot like doom and gloom, we want to leave with this clip from brothers Elliot and Ethan, who have a simple solution if everything falls apart. What would you do? What's your escape plan? I dig a hole and I hide in it and bake ramen. <gasps> what would be hard for you? Cooking, probably. Cooking. So you have to stick with your brother because he can cook. Yeah, you have yeah. to the ramen me. in a hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll go in your ramen I'll give hole. you one strip of ramen a day. One little strip. And we want to know what you think. What would your role be in an apocalypse? Would you dip out? Would you heal or hide? You can write to us at the question booth at HowStuffWorks.com with your answer. We'd like to give a special thanks to executive producer and our absolute guiding hand, Julie Douglas. Thanks as well to senior producer Annie Reese and to Ben Bolin for speaking with us this week. We'd also like to thank Pond City Market for hosting the question booth. The question booth is written edited and scored by me, Dylan Fagan, and my co-host Kathleen Quillian. You have so many of my thanks, Kathleen. (laughs) Thanks, Dylan. And thanks to everyone who came into the booth and spoke to me about this question. And if you're in Atlanta, you can visit the question booth too. We're on the second floor Pont City Market, 12 to 5 p.m. Friday through Sunday. You can also follow us on social media. We're the question booth on Instagram and Facebook and question underscore booth on Twitter. So what are we talking about next week? Next week, we're talking all about smells. Hot Cheetos. Does it really have a smell? It does. Interesting. I'm looking forward to hearing that. But until then... See you in the question booth. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. 
brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.